This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's the Loka Pete Show. I'm Pete Donaldson. I'm joined by Mr. Lukey Moore. Last week on the show, we spoke about all kinds of stuff, really. Um, me uh, and uh, a lady who said she was too overweight to get in her own car. Uh, Luke uh, spoke passionately about uh, US politics. And um, we also um, we also heard about a man who faked his own kidnapping to see a sex worker. One-upping the canoe man in every stretch you can imagine, Luke. Yeah, and the person who faked their own kidnapping to see a sex worker, just to be clear, because mm. you started that point off by talking about what we'd been doing, mm. that wasn't one of us. Could have been one of Stack. Could have been someone at Stack. Well, you're stitching yourself up there, because if it's going to be someone at Stack, it would be you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> looky Mill, how have you been, man? Pretty good. Not too bad. Yeah, been a few, um, couple of illnesses in the camp, but um, oh, we're back on, the, back on the men now. The changing of the seasons mm. has brought on one of many to come biblical plagues. Mm. Um, on all of our houses because of right. the sins that we live every day <laughs> and because we don't accept our Lord and Saviour, mm. uh, Jake Humphrey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, but in, in many good. ways, Jesus was the first high-performance deity, really. Definitely um, did world-class he, basics. He, he, he rose and grind at 3 a.m. every morning, yeah. um, worked out at the gym. You don't get those abs uh, taken, you know, taken half half measures uh, uh, on the cross. And uh, yeah, he, he would just be up doing miracles left, yeah. right, and centre uh, for him, his family, and his brood. World class basics doing those miracles, isn't it? <laughs> I like to think when he turned water into wine at that party, and everyone mm. was like, "Fucking yes, Jesus! That is a fucking great trick." He's up on the table, just go world class basics, world class <laughs> basics. <laughs> These are basics. These are basics. Um, Look, you know, we um, spoke about um, a little bit of telly uh, last week on the show, and and we'll get on to. Um, the Have Jill you watched any of the TV shows that I said you should watch that we could talk well, about? Well, Moa, I did skip through that TV skip show about the UFO. I want to skip through. Well, I watched it and I was like, yeah, all right, I'm, I've, I've got this. I've, I've got a handle on this. I'll tell you what, one of the most beautifully shot bits of tat I've watched recently. <laughs> it's really nicely put together. Isn't it quite, isn't it quite easy shot. to put together like a... Um, it's quite easy to put together a documentary these days because you've got the drones involved. Yeah. 
That's probably it's just a drone establishing <laughs> shot every few minutes, isn't it? It was probably just testing somebody testing out some drone. I mean, good God, can you imagine how many? Because um, have you ever sort of been somewhere that you've not expected a drone to appear, and then a drone appears? Like, yeah. it's quite eerie. It's quite scary. If you are not expecting to see a drone, you're like, what the hell is that? And it's actually quite um, disconcerting. So I think UFO view um, viewings sightings are going to go up um, exponentially. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I know what you mean. Mm. What, what, do, what do you so? What episodes did you actually watch? Oh, I didn't watch. I only watched the Fukushima one. Um, okay, and what did of you think of it? Because that's, that's episode four of four. Right. Um, what did you think of it? Well, this is what you do to me, really, because you sort of say, watch this one episode, and now you're trying to couch. If I slag it off, you're going to go, well, you haven't watched the other three. No, but they're so, separate standalone episodes anyway. Yeah. That's what I thought. It doesn't matter. Um, I, I thought you might be interested because you like Japanese things. Oh, that was, that was beautiful. I think um, what I liked about it. So, um, after Should we explain Fukushima, what actually happened to some people who yeah. haven't seen it? Okay. Well, do you want to do that? If, or do you, if, want if me you to? missed, if you missed the um, uh, the big um, uh, Tohoku uh, earthquake, there was a big earthquake off off um, off coast, uh, and it killed uh, an astonishing amount of people uh, in Sen- well the sort of Sendai area in uh, two thousand eleven. In 2011, and they've only just kind of recovered those kind of uh, communities because it was such a um, devastating blow to um, some, some quite rural farmers, fishermen, and just you know general people kicking around. Um, it was it, they, they lost so many people in there, and I've, I've actually visited the area a couple of times, and uh, yeah, I mean just just the I think the most harrowing part of it, like so we went out with some fishermen, and you looked back onto the bay. And there was actually on the tree line, there was like um, boat floats, you know, like um, like little mm. boys um, in the trees mm. from 2011, even like mm. 10 years later, um, because, the, the you know, the, the water was so high, it obviously uh, went over the trees. And, um, you know, s- some of the stories of like, you know, uh, 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 teachers taking their kids onto a bridge that they thought was safe and just wiping out an entire school worth of children. It's just, you know, it was... Yeah, so 20,000 was... people died. It was a 9.1 magnitude on the Richter scale so it's a big mm, big earthquake caused a huge tsunami as well of course mm. and that's the background to this episode of encounters where the the talk is among several different sources um and quite a lot of sources actually mm. um that ahead of the, the 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 earthquake and the tsunami and and around it and after it there were quite strange bright lights spotted around the power plant um, mm. and so that's the kind of scene that that they paint and that's they speak to a lot of survivors and a lot of witnesses and stuff um it does seem str- the thing about it is and i said this to you before when i said you should watch it i'm not saying there's loads of stuff's happening i'm not i'm not ascribing anything to it because i don't know all i'm just saying is that you know i think i mentioned it before people get convicted of very serious crimes based on four or five eyewitness accounts mm. right it doesn't even need to be any physical evidence sometimes yeah. this is a similar thing except there are far more people witnessing it so it does feel to me like the stigma around it needs to be removed and people who actually know about this stuff need to be able to study this without fear or favor and work out exactly why it's, why it's happening mm. and even if it's just happening on the level of the brain um and it's some kind of it's still fascinating forewarning system for people under stress or whatever i don't know it just it just, it just does seem mm. very very odd and the way they made that episode around fukushima is they they tapped into folklore didn't they and traditions and why people feel the way they feel about certain things in japanese mm. culture i just thought it was quite an interesting thing 
I think um, I've seen a couple of episodes of, oh, what was it called? It was like a ghost documentary, basically. And um, obviously ghost sightings and people, uh, communities who um, sort of were grieving after um, such a horrific, you know, as you said, 20,000 people, um, you know, losing their life in the in the uh, ensuing kind of um, tsunami and the earthquake itself. Um, uh, I think with... Um, Something like that, obviously, when there's been a massive kind of like, um, you know, shocking development like that, people are going to sort of like look for answers, I think. And obviously you said that the lights were spotted before um, the actual earthquake itself, uh, and I can't speak to that. But I always sort of think with Japanese people, they seem... They seem very sort of in tune with like the environment. They seem kind of like very in tune with like they're not overtly religious, but they're very very spiritual people. And I just always think with with sort of documentaries like that, it's sort of lovely to see these people who can deal with such horrific situations. And I don't know, like it's, like their their kind of rationale and the couple of people they spoke to were sort of like, well, maybe the um, the UFO sort of arrived to help us with the radiation, you know, after the mm. after the event and stuff. Maybe they were there to save us. And I really like that kind of outlook, you know what I mean? Like to to, to be in so so in tune with the environment and sort of know that even after a shocking event like that. You know the environment will take care of you as it's taken care of your you know forefathers like so many generations before. They they don't just sort of go, oh my god, look at this. They sort of go, what can we learn about this? Maybe they're helping us. Maybe um, there there are bigger things at play and stuff. And it's a lovely way to live, I think. Yeah, it's amazing to show such hope and clarity in in such a devastating situation for sure. I mean that mm. that earthquake and ensuing tsunami was crazy though. I mean mm. like. Was it eight meters high in some places? The wave, and mm. then there was there were two meter waves in Chile, eleven thousand miles away. Yeah, wow, which is it? just crazy to think of. Yeah, I think um, I visited a church sort of hall. I think you know these community centers that are right out um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I visited this kind of um, place where people sort of get married and you know have like kind of events for the older um, sort of elderly people in 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 the group. And I think they happened to be having some kind of event on the day of the tsunami. And they it was like a five floor sort of building, um, and they took everyone, all the elderly people, onto the roof. And even on the roof, it was kind of like knee level, but they managed to save like a hundred people um, huh. due to the um, the head, the, the bloke who sort of managed and ran the facility. He was sort of ex naval, and he was like, "This isn't, you know, the, the, we need, to, you know, we need to make, you know, take action now because people were just kind of completely lost." But um, yeah, he 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 personally saved like so many old people, sort of dragging them onto the roof, lifting. How them much over. notice did people get then? I only think it was like a, a like half an hour or something, and then it was just their, their entire sort of town was just absolutely done in. It was absolutely incredible. But you know, but it, but you know, it's heartening sort of spend a bit of time out there, like seeing the community kind of pick things up, like start there, start new businesses. You know, the seaweed farming's a big big deal out there and stuff, and um, uh, you know, clams and stuff like that. So it's it's a it's it's a big sort of spot for kind of like. Almost like eco tourism, um, the sort of setting up around right. there. Um, obviously, in the shadow of uh, what could have been a really nasty um, nuclear disaster, and it's, it's a nuclear situation that is ongoing. They're having to sort of dump um, loads of water in, into the um, into the, into the, um, uh, the Japanese Sea or the waters around Japan, um, much to the chagrin of or, or, or uh, demonstrative kind of like um, 
uh, orchestrated um, shock of China, who would never de- who who have um, cancelled right, all yeah, fish yeah, imports yeah. from Japan, um, saying that they would never, you know, because <laughs> China because ne- China never th- never put them, no, did they? Exactly. Um, but it was yeah, it was it was a good little doc. It was a good little doc. I, you, I enjoyed the episode. It, what would you think the explanation was then? I don't know, man. I just there's always some there's always some bloody reason for it in there. Nine times out of ten, but I mean the the sort of white spots in the sky. Like I mean, it did seem weird, but uh, you know, I, I mean, a, a load of weather balloons. I don't bloody know cloud formations. Why like... don't you want to believe? <laughs> because... It's not cloud formation, is it? So, so for those who haven't seen <clears> it, it's a load of like bright lights moving in weird ways, mm. assembling together around the same time. And I don't know whether the timing of it is like a red herring or whatever, but ultimately, the reality is through this four-part documentary series of which each you know episode's unrelated really as i've said there's a load of weird shit happening mm. right and no one knows what's happening and no one knows why it's happening and as i said to you already the stigma around investigating this kind of stuff every single mainstream respected scientist who decides to go and have a look at this stuff is just completely immediately ostracized and made out to be some mad crank or whatever which no, because most of the time the not, footage is the footage is the 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 footage. Um, anyone who's who's got a bit about them sort of looks at the footage and sort of goes, "All right, well that's the you know the parallax effect, or that's this, or it could be the you know there's there's a million different reasons for why you know there's a million different reasons to to doubt you know even not to doubt the person who's got the camera in their hand rather than the yeah um, rather oh, than the actual thing itself. So, like you know, I I, I just think there's all what's what's to stop like. I don't know some reflections from the sea going into the sky on in some kind of weird kind of like prism effect in the same way we get a rainbow. What like what are the? Yeah, uh, but like you say, um, not enough people are kind of investigated because the, the the sort of people who talk about it are um are labelled kooks. Yeah, and I think um I want to I want to thank you first and foremost for indulging this because I know you hate it. Uh, <laughs> I'm I know just, you hate I'm just it. yeah. Well, look, we're just two sides of like two sides of a coin, aren't we? Really, or is that yeah. is that too close? Is the but I think, I think too if close? You, I, I think if you watch the other episodes, it does build a picture, and it builds a picture of different types of experiences, which you know may or may not be related, and the and the, and the series doesn't take any measures to link them really. Mm. But there's loads of like um. There's loads, of, like I say, the most compelling thing for me is just that on a basic level, on a human level, really, I mean, the, the episode, I think it's episode two or three of, of the South, of the Zimbabwean school, mm. where there's loads of kids and loads of teachers interviewed like independently about stuff they've seen. And it's just, it's just overwhelmingly compelling, the amount of people. I mean, the very idea that you could orchestrate like 35 kids or about 10 to all say exactly the same thing. Um but and is, is, I mean, is this lab level kind of isolation kind of like well, check your stories, or is question. it, or is it a collective mania that school children experience all of the time? That's fair, but I've not watched it's it. A good, so. It's a good question. The guy who interviews them all is a quite a prominent psychiatrist called John Mack, who um, was the chair of psychiatry at Harvard at the time. Mm. Um, who went over there because he was so fascinated by it. And the conclusion he came to was that he couldn't pick up any evidence that the people who experienced this were lying, as in they weren't mm. displaying the behaviours that suggested they were lying. Mm. But obviously he wasn't then saying, so this must be true. He just must be saying that it could it, be That unknown. they believe it, that they, they yeah, all believe it. Yeah, they believe it, yeah. it to be true. Mm. Then he was killed in a car crash, so I don't, I don't think anyone can really 
anyone let's investigate that let's investigate that apparently that was a that was a kind of open and shut drunk driver hit him in in, when he was walking down the street really sadly and um, some people later on have said that they weren't sure his um his methods were were, were studious enough or, or, or forensic enough, but then um, Harvard tried to remove him for even doing it, and he got reinstated. So mm. I, I don't really know. Anyway, it's in called Encounters. It's on Netflix. You should watch it if you have any interest in this whatsoever, because I do think it's starting to become maybe even one of the most interesting part issues of our time, chiefly because we now know so much about so much that it's quite rare to find anything that's completely unexplained. And it happens so often. And like I say, a part of me thinks it might just be solipsistic in nature. As in people are just, it's it's at the level of the brain in some way. <clears throat> um, because a lot of childhood memories, for example, are unreli- notoriously unreliable, aren't they? Mm. That's why like, historic kind of child abuse cases and stuff are very, very difficult to prosecute because a large percentage of childhood memories are false or, mm. or imagined or whatever. And so there's definitely an element of that. But it would be good to know why this phenomenon keeps happening. And with a lack of kind of real physical evidence for it, I suppose, it's all just circumstantial. And I, 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 the big problem I have with it is the thing that you touched on before, which is just the idea that, and you would know this more than me, but I still certainly feel it, is that you have the amount of high-quality recording equipment around the world now, the prevalence of that, yet we don't really seem to get anything decent on people's mm. on people's even on their iPhones or mm. people's fucking gear. Like, it just doesn't seem to happen. And, and, with and the also, exception and, of that kind of military stuff that came out a few years ago. And also, like, I guess you are, um, I think I spoke about it before, but Samsung did that kind of super zoom where you can zoom on the moon, uh, zoom at the moon, take a picture, and it has this beautifully crystal clear picture of the moon. Except it isn't. It's um, figuring out where you are, what time it is, what the moon would look like to you and has looked like to you on every day for the past five billion well, years they just superimpose it just superimpose it on the top like ai like kind of just went right huh. what and and so we are and and you know google lens and all, all of these kind of like pocket um uh you know truth monitors are becoming compromised by the use of um at source kind of photoshopping in my opinion i, I will say that like um it's that tv show is well worth a watch because it's fucking beautiful and also like what i um I've sort of noticed quite a lot in these docs and and it is quite interesting that like if you put a person in a room with uh, formal clothes or business clothes in a science lab or a facility looking background, they automatically become an authority. And I know it's very simplistic and I, I know this has been used for, for since time dot and, and I realise that it's just shorthand for I am a professional. Um, I work in these facilities and this is the, you know, this, this and that. But I've been watching it, um, me and Sarah have been watching a TV show called Uncanny um, with, is it Tom Robbins um, on BBC Two? It's Danny Robbins, isn't it? Danny Robbins, Danny yeah, Robbins. Yeah, the podcast series, first of all, which I quite like. Yes. Um, and so, um, are you Team Believer or Team Skeptic? Um, I mean, for me, I mean, it's a load of old shite. I mean, it just is. It's a load <laughs> of old shite. But, um, and it's the first kind of, you know, proper BBC podcast television uh, effort, um, and it's a load of bullshit. Um, but um, but the motifs that they use that they, they 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 it's a really cheap. I mean, it's a podcast and TV adaptation. There's three scenes, 
and I reckon they've all been filmed over two days, possibly. There's a right. pub where he talks to uh, an expert on, on ghosts uh, and an expert on being a sceptic. Um, and there's a, a room where they interview the person who's seen the ghost, uh, which is this kind of like big hall, um, probably like a BBC facility or like an old an old um, theatre or something. And then you've got um, uh, Danny Robbins's um shed <laughs> so it's just really cheap stuff but the motifs that they use like they'll put um you know subdued lighting in this place where they interview the 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 the, 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 the um the punter um and it's really dark and there's just like a, a tiny spotlight on on robbins and and and, and the person who, who reckons i've seen a, a spooker um and they've got like a, and and they've got like someone sort of like fiddling with like they've got this massive mixing desk that's got like maybe 150 levers and faders and dials when they're just reco- I mean guaranteed that's going into a zoom recorder two inputs that's all that's happening but you've got this person going whoop, 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 and the lights are dazzling the lights are sort of flashing on and off and stuff <laughs> and they saw this motif shot going this is an important um it's an important interview um but none of that is being used it's all just set dressing there's a camera that very much annoys me like a point and shoot sort of sony job that's kind of in shot like it's he sort of it the, the the sort of set is sort of saying this is ad hoc, this is DIY, this mm. is more important than the other investigations you've seen before because it's so DIY and it's so kind of They're like planting these things in your mind almost subconsciously, right? Yeah, and so you've got the camera, and we never see footage from the camera because it's just a point and shoot, and they probably wouldn't film with that. They'll be filmed with a you know a, a, a decent a decent lad behind the scenes, but and and you know Robbins is sort of dipping out and going. Wow, just had to uh, take a break there because uh, uh, because it got a bit intense. Just thought I'd give everyone a break, and uh, well, I can't believe. And he just, you know, and it's all a performance, and it's all, you know, for my taste. I think you, I think you know how I feel about it. Um, but it's it's. Well, you have quite a hard time dealing with reality as it presents itself. I don't trust reality. Yeah, I don't exactly. Tr- <laughs> so this is like a whole fucking new ball game. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I totally but, understand that. But it's, uh, but it, but it's, it's, it's. I think it's disappointing that it's like the only, I think, um, uh, podcaster, um, podcaster TV sort of adaptation that, that, that I think the BBC have done, and um, it's a ghost podcast for one, which I have very yeah, little time I, I, for. I kind of, I, I kind of get that. I, I, I listened to the podcast series. I think it might have been originally on the radio as well. All right, radio form maybe. Um, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite. The, the, here's the thing, though. And I know you're not saying this, but just my, I haven't seen this, this show, but my feeling would just be that there's sometimes, in fact, quite regularly, I think, a category definition error between like what is capable of what's possible of audio and what's possible with vision. I think the reason that Danny Robbins' show, the podcast version, is good is because you, as ever with audio, in that top, particularly in that type of subject, you paint the pictures yourself, mm. you imagine what's happening. Like there's a brilliant episode of that show where he's in some old um, bothy up in rural Scotland mm. that's apparently haunted, and he goes there, and he records a load of tape and a load of atmosphere, and he gets people to tell their kind of eyewitness stories and everything. And it's fucking chilling. It was absolutely chilling. Mm. But I think in the same way that, you know, remember when Ricky Gervais's podcast used to be really great, and then they put it on uh, to cartoons on Channel 4, and it was just a bit fucking... Right bit crap because like four four years too late and if you're a fan of that you will have listened to it anyway and you're being anchored you're being anchored by these weird Hanna-Barbera cartoons but it's it's always it's always what people do it's always what people sort of go and I'll get someone to animate it why (laughs) just 
Why? We've done a bit of that, and it, it didn't work either. Look, I think I think on the on the on the subject matter of what you're talking about with Danny Robbins, that's a BBC show called Uncanny. In case you mm. guys listening didn't hear around the first time around, um, I'm always super skeptical about ghosts and that kind of thing, but just because I think. Um, I think a lot of it is quite easily explained. You know, there's there's lots of it is explained by the environment. Lots of it is explained by the evolutionary benefit of of imagining things that aren't there. I mean, this is something that's kind of been imbued in in the human brain for hundreds of thousands of years. I read quite a lot about it. It's but surely beneficial. that, but, but surely this is, but surely UFOs are just this, but further away. <laughs> it's a ghost well, station over there. You know what they say? Um, it's the great lady powers. of the skies. <laughs> Solar power is just nuclear power from a safe distance, right? <laughs> um, but but the the um, no, maybe there is an element of that. Maybe so. So clearly, some of the some of the some of the basics here are definitely transferable. Because if you are, you know, we are evolutionary beings that have grown up in the way we've grown up, and it is clearly beneficial for us to imagine seeing things, predators, dangers in the darkness, sometimes that aren't there. It's much more evil, even if you don't know anything about evolution. You can understand that it would be beneficial for a species to be more careful than not, right? Mm. That's that's basically what it is. And that uncanny episode I talked about with the Bothy up in Scotland, I read a load of stuff around it afterwards. What it was is some kind of um, it was something to do with some really high electromagnetic field or something, which made people's bodies react in a certain way, mm. which they then interpreted as like their spines being chilled and. Bothy's are spooky anyway, you know what I mean? Like, Bothy's yeah. are cool and spooky. Well, no, no, one, no one ever sees a ghost during the day, right? No, no. Even That's though, right. even though there's a lot more light and you'd be much more likely to see it. And then there's also <laughs> that thing, isn't there, that, um, that Professor Brian Cox does where he, he, he can, deconstructs ghosts as a not really actually able to obey the laws of physics and therefore not be, not, not be possible. Mm. So... Yeah, there's lots of different things like that. I, I happen to think, though, the element that you put in with, like, unidentified flying objects or whatever it may be, is just that the universe is so observably vast that, you know, you can't really rule anything out. And and the, I guess the, the kind of the evidence in opposition to that is um, that I wonder if people were seeing UFOs and doing cave drawings of them back in the day or whatever, because if they weren't, seems to be a bit of a modern phenomenon. It's interesting when you see like photographs of UFOs from the 70s. The UFOs are basically like a 70s vehicle. Yes. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, very, very, very much of their time. Sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's almost like a yeah, sci-fi thing. So anyway, I, I, um, I will check out an episode of Uncanny because I did really enjoy the podcast. And I think Danny Roberts is quite an emotive and interesting um, presenter. Oh, actually. I mean, it's all about him. And, and it sounds, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm watching it and, and I know a lot of people who are also watching it. Um, some of them um, through through gritted teeth, uh, you know, more or less than me. But um, it's it's clearly going to be a bit of a hit, and we'll clearly see uh, another season. I think it's only like three or four episodes or something. But uh, it's it's just um, that whole world is is intrinsically funny, and um, yeah, there's there's just so many there's so many spots where they could have done something funny and but because it's a sort of like reverential kind of ghostly romp um you uh you, you, you they they don't bother like there's a moment there's the the, the ghost um um lady who's very into ghosts who believes ghosts who has presumably got some kind of um qualification in ghost knowing about ghosts um she's this kind of like um a scottish woman but there is bet- no qualification possible is there i mean you well i think there's that. there's probably like kind of like um sort of quasi scientific kind of um uh uh you know next to 
Ghost Hunter. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's probably something... Like a Bill Murray? Yeah, like Chartered Surveying, but for ghosts. I don't know. <laughs> but it's kind of like she's like she's this kind of like... It's a Scottish woman, um, sort of like Betty Page kind of like vintage dress lady. And there's a moment where this woman is walking down the street and, and I think um, the shop um, that she's... It, suddenly it be, turns into Goodnight Sweetheart and the, the shops in front of her sell like all old lady 50s dresses and Tom and, and John Robbins is, what, what's his name Danny, Danny Robbins. Robbins Danny Robbins at that point could go you would have bloody loved that he doesn't he doesn't fucking <laughs> do it, it. He's he doesn't fucking beat. do that's it that's acceptable that's unforgivable it's unforgivable it's terrible yeah. but I what I and he um and and so there's this team skeptic and team believer and t- the team believer lady she's the she's this ghost lady and she and they're just doing it recording it in a pub around the corner from the BBC they've hired up the how how, how many how many clip shows how many interviews do you see in central London W1D pub function rooms like there yeah. are so many they're just yeah. like give the landlord 70 quid we're going to record I've recorded millions in them video games say my life I've interviewed Premier League years. In one. exactly all that toss right you get your lights set up um, you, you um, try and time it with people um, rolling barrels into the pub and, and you sort it out like that but it, it's and you know but in this case they will have had to change clothes about three or four times which is very humorous but because um, it would have just been a day's booking and maybe I'm just a bit but too you, behind to me, baseball you're, you're but you're a bit annoyed by the production values rather than the show itself. I, I, I think I can be both. I think okay, it's not I think, exclusive. I think it's, it's quantum dissatisfaction. I would happily go. I would happily go to any of these haunted places mm. or UFO hotspots with you, Pete Donaldson. Look, who, who, who's on been on a ghost hunt recently? But I have. Would, yeah, until three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that's boring. It's that's too much. boring. It's too late. If the ghosts aren't going to fucking do their bit. <laughs> then I don't think you should be expected. They've got nothing on. They've got no, absolutely nothing exactly. going on. Yeah. They should be able Mithering to do it quicker around. than that. Yeah. Wibbling um, around. I, I, um, I will check that show out just to see if it's any, if it's any good. But um, You'd like it because it, it it's spooky. You like spooky so stuff. Can so I, can I just bring Sank House into the mix that um, hmm. I meant to talk to you about before? Um, and because it's um, because obviously this show's coming out on Thursday, but we're recording it on Halloween, so a couple of days before. And it's, hmm. So I, I guess it is pertinent. But... Um, so lots of people will know, and I'm sure you will know, Pete, about that show that came out in 1992, Halloween 1992, called Ghost Watch. Yes. Was that the so, one with um, Yvette Fielding? It or was that a different didn't, one? I think you're thinking of Sarah Green. Right, okay. Who's a similar kind of Yvette Fielding type, mm. but potentially... Rem- you know, she when, died recently, didn't she? Because her husband died ages ago. She used to fly helicopters. Did she die Who, recently? Sarah Green? Yeah, or, or no, the she's, other... she, she's not dead. All right, um, she is was that partner dead Smith. from helicopters? What are you doing? <laughs> he used to fly helicopters. He used to own a helicopter company. No, I, I think feel they like had I'm a bad crash. A I feel like I'm channeling a ghost here. <laughs> I think they had a bad crash. And, <laughs> anyway, and, I, th- and I think he, I think he Pete, died. It doesn't matter. It. All it right, does, fine. I'm just matter. saying because he's a ghost now, isn't yeah, he? <laughs> Mike Smith was her husband. He yeah. passed away in 2014. I don't know if he flew helicopters. Just leave it. He did. Um, but it was also hosted uh, by Craig Charles and, um, more Good importantly, God. for, re- for reasons... Yeah, I bet he's careful. seen some crack spiders before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for reasons that will become important later on, um, Michael Parkinson. Fucking Michael Parkinson. Bloody there, hell. Right? So anyway... In a big uh, jacket. For those of you... For those of you who aren't in the country and who, who, who don't know about this because you're too young or you didn't come across it or whatever, mm. uh, in 1992, BBC made a show called Ghost Watch. And it was back when the BBC could do like really um, brave and quite interesting stuff that mm. everyone 
you know, kind of loved, I suppose, because I didn't know what to expect. So, Ghostwatch was put out on Halloween of 1992, and it was designed to be a earnest, real documentary about the country's most haunted house, right? Mm. And so it, it, it featured people um, broadcasting, at like like news reporters outside the house. It had a studio element. It had interviewees who lived in the house who were kind of suffering from this ghost, all of whom were actors, but no one knew that. And the mm. ghost um, that was talked about in there, they admit the people who lived in the house was called Pipes because he used to um, make a lot of noise. Mm. And um, the, the parents of the house... Um, would tell the children it was just the pipes, so they would just end up referring to it as pipes. So it's fucking chilling. I watched, I, I watched a good part of it a while back. It's chilling, right? And anyway, the whole thing was fake. It was a mockumentary thing, but they mm. had thing. They even went to the detail of having like a phone in line, so people could call in if they'd seen ghosts, and mm. loads of people were doing it. But um, it went out on prime time on BBC One at Halloween for an hour and a half, yeah? <laughs> and the end bit, Pete, which people don't talk about, the final bit of it, um, when it all starts to go a bit wrong and no one knows what's happening and then they <laughs> try and use... Pipes tries to do like a nationwide seance with everyone. Right. It ended with the doyen of fucking chat show presenting, Michael Parkinson, mm. agreeing somehow to be the only person left in the studio after everyone has fleed and he starts wandering around the studio possessed by pipes <laughs> and, I, and i doing? feel like more people should know about it it's yeah. michael parkinson and no one talks about it but he played the role acting as a man being possessed by a ghost in an abandoned darkened bbc studio i i just think that national treasures oh but what about that billy Connolly thing he did we've all seen that I, well, that's the thing. When he died, obviously, everyone was um, very... I never got him, really. It, I, I, very reverential. I, I never got his... I know you were a big fan, but I just never got his his interview style. That Helen Mirren clip was a bit rough, and, and I, I never got his... Like, him being... He was a national treasure because he just did the job for for such a long time, you know? I never got his style down. I, I didn't think he did anything different to that. anyone I th- else. I think, I think that's a bit of a spicy take, to be honest. You reckon? Yeah, I, I, think, I think... But I'm not doing it for effect. I just genuinely believe that. I just never... Oh, it's probably not an intentional spicy take, but it's a spicy take. <laughs> either way, Listen, chili, absolutely either way, jalapenos got into the recipe somehow, all right? Yeah, definitely. And HelloFresh did not write it down on this recipe card. I always use HelloFresh, by the way. I do too, actually, spo- yeah. are, they sp- are they sponsoring us at the moment? Uh, not at the moment, but I, you know, I'll give them a per- personal um, uh, high five. Um, I think I've lost about three pounds using it. I mean, I've to be fair... <laughs> But I love their fucking recipes. I keep adding a big stick of butter in. Um, (laughs) But the um, yeah, like yeah, I've I've uh, because because most most weeks we'll have three or four takeaways. Instead of that, we've been doing hello fresh fresh as much as you want. But you're not getting away with this Michael Parkinson take. I'm going to come back to it. Fine. Um, I think the Helen Mirren thing is obviously regrettable, Hmm. um, and he shouldn't have said it. Hmm. And she has said what she said about it, and people can look it up and. Hmm. Obviously, I'm not defending it, but it was of its time, shall we say. Mm. Um, what I would say, though, is in today's environment, we have to be pretty careful. It's one incident in like a 55-year career. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah, fine. All right. Well, but taking that completely apart, it, what can you remember a memorable thing that he made happen? Do you know what I mean? Things happened on the show, <laughs> but did he make any of those things happen? Did, did we get any? He just He was just very still. And he just, he didn't really react to any of the questions. 
He just sort of like. Well, I think, I think his, his style. His, so here's here's the thing. His style of interviewing mm. was, I think. So the first thing I would say is that he was certainly clever enough to do every different type of interview. And if you look at the state of primetime TV now compared to then, it's very highbrow in comparison. And he was able to manoeuvre around that and never be out of his depth on that. And he could do Billy Conley where he just sit there cracking up. And he could do... You know, there's, there's episodes of Parkinson where he's doing like stuff with quite high-level kind of psychiatrists about the effects of the Holocaust on the Jewish community. So there's a lot of kind of quite highbrow stuff that he's able to do. And then the second thing, which I would interpret as confidence and the sign of a great broadcaster, maybe you don't, and that's kind of fair enough, this bit I'm going to about to say is subjective, is that he's able to let people just do their thing. Yeah. And gently guide them rather than interrupting all the time. The thing I don't like, possibly because of my age, possibly because I'm cantankerous, uh, the thing I don't like is that, you know, I can think of so many examples now. Uh, Zane Lowe used to be terrible for it. Richard Herring is terrible for it on his podcast. Um, There's (laughs) many others. But Richard, it's like, let's get someone famous on Mm. and then I can tell you all what I think about them. It's like, well, that's not the point. The point Mm. is to, 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 if you're going to be brave enough to get someone on who's done something extraordinary or has got an extraordinary thing to tell. I mean, it brings us back full circle to Jake Humphrey at the start of this, right? He gets great guests, but he's still a complete fucking knob. He still he still um, somehow tries to relate everything back to himself. Uh, and I don't think that's what Parkinson did. And I think people yearned for that time because maybe it was a time where he guests would be allowed to breathe on these types of shows. And, um, and it was more interesting because of it. And I think also... The reason we don't have those types of shows as much now in that style is because they are satisfied by things like podcasting now. And there are people out there who do it really well. I think Parkinson was good. I think he was never out of his depth. I think he was a very, very confident, charming um, interviewer and presenter. And that's why people like him, I guess. I mean, maybe it's the the, the art of it, Pete, is making people like you think, oh, well, he doesn't actually really do anything. But you notice him when he's not there because the stuff other people do is terrible in comparison. Because they get people to do like dumb stuff, you know. He is part of the furniture and he's part of our nostalgia and he's part of. But I think things. So you think there's an only fools and horses element to it where you like it? I think there. I think yeah. Again, you know what I'm like. You you know what I'm like. Anything, anything in that kind of hate. I just hate the BBC. Defund it. (laughs) Awful. All right, we got to take a a break. Um, Thanks for our guest, uh, Luke Moore. Uh, We'll be back after this. (laughs) We'll be talking all things batteries. Buy my book. Buy your book. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's the Luke and Pete Show, back with the Luke and Pete Show. And we've already got time for, for the battery brands uh, at this point in, in, in the show. Uh, Lucky Mill, do you want to uh, kick us off uh, with the first one or shall I do it? You normally do it because I'm normally searching for whether yeah. they've been Kinda submitted forgot, before, Pete. That's how this works. It's always the same. All right, then. Mark says, hey, look at Pete. I was putting together a new exercise bike I got, and the monitor had these beauties for powering it up. I present to you, you, Ryan, super heavy duties. You, Y-U, and R-H-I-N-E, you, Ryan, <laughs> super heavy duties. Is, is that a Just joke? Because when you say it out loud, it's you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, as I said that the third time, that's when I got the joke. But yeah, apparently, um, when I saw the name, I can't deny I had a good old chuckle, considering I have the sense of humour of a 12-year-old. I hope my first battery submission will be a win. Love the pod. Uh, Mark from the Bay Area. You, Ryan, I've never heard that. We would have giggled about it before. Um, well done, um, uh, Mark, for an almost definite uh, new player. Oh, you're calling it, are you? Yeah, I'm calling it. I'm calling it, baby. You're right to call it. Lovely stuff. Well, we it is all a new player. It took me a while out. to work it out because I realised um, after about five minutes that I was looking in the Football Ramble email drop off. <laughs> very little battery, got very little battery content. Yeah, yeah. Very little battery. Content. Well done to you, Mark. And the Bay Area is. Um, I was listening to a podcast. Speaking of interviewers, mm. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was James Hetfield, lead singer of Metallica, mm. on Joe Rogan. Who mm. I know is, and that was a dirty word to say around these here parts, but um, it was interesting because James Hetford was talking about how he moved out of the Bay Area to um, Vail, Colorado, mm. um, because <laughs> because his neighbours complained that he kept going out hunting and bringing back big animals on the front of his truck. <laughs> Surely if you've got in... I mean, and how are they seeing Silicon that? Silicon Valley motherfuckers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. How, I bet, yeah. How are they kind of like... Surely you've got a, ha- a big enough house to uh, to accommodate... Um... Well, he was, he was basically saying that like um, the community where he lived around there mm. was very diverse and he loved that and he said that he loves technology and he loves all this other mm. stuff. James Heff was basically like an ultimate American dad, mm. right? He loves his kids. He loves the outdoors. He loves Live fixing America. things. He loves hunting. Mm. 
Uh, he's quite old-fashioned. He's got a bit of libertarianism about him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he's very, very clear and, and quick to to point out in because he worked in the music industry for so long and he's a creative type. He's also very quick to point out all the time that he doesn't judge anyone. He's absolutely cool with what anyone wants to do. He wants to do what he wants to do. Let them do what they want to do. Uh, it's fine. He loves you know the technology in his mobile phone. He loves all this other stuff. You know, mm. but he says it's just not for me. And here's why it's not for me: because these guys want you to be diverse in the way that they're diverse. Mm. And I think I want to be diverse in the way that I want to catch all my own food and eat organically and keep bees in my garden and hunt my own meat and all this kind of stuff. And uh, no one else wants to let me do it, including my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved to Colorado. <laughs> Where that's acceptable, yeah. I, do, I, do, I find um, Joe Rogan to be a truly awful interviewer, by the way. Um, he doesn't do any uh, research. Half the time he's just sort of like asking someone to pull something up on YouTube or pull something yeah. up on that. Like, and it's well, just the like, thing, the do thing the show, mate. Do it after. The thing, the thing he did with Hetfield, which I found fucking unforgivable, given that Hetfield is like one of the Good most... Song, that. Good album? Yeah, good album Unforgiven. 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 <laughs> um, it's an Unforgiven 2, quite good, and an Unforgiven 3, not very uh, good oh as dear. well. Um, but, um, Even when Unforgiven 2 came out there, people were saying, this isn't good. Like, So at least the, the, that reputation yeah. of, that, um, of that has, has kind of improved over the years. Yeah, I, I Because they knew the, where they could go with Unforgiven, how I bad they could from be. I diverged from the consensus on the Reload album, but that's another story. Anyway. Right. But one of the things that Rogue could do, which I thought was just fucking farcical, and I can't believe no one... I mean, maybe people did, I don't know. Um, he he, um, he says to um, Hetfield about his most recent record, which is like a 2016 interview with the 2016 record come out. So it's, I think it's probably mm. Death Magnetic, which is like heavy, heavy and widely panned for its production merits. Mm. Um, but he Rogan goes on this big old fucking monologue at the start about how like he loves Metallica because they... Um, because he used to like Aerosmith, and then at one point Aerosmith just started doing ballads, and he couldn't deal with that, and he and he loves that Metallica are still really hard, and they still do mm. thrash metal and stuff, but completely ignoring the fact that Metallica famously their most successful record is like got ballads all over. Ballad, it. Yeah, 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 and like, and so and and Hetfield was obviously a bit awkward about it; he just didn't mention it. Uh, but it just seemed like a pretty unforgivable way to start an interview. Yeah, like you, surely you know you should know a little bit about what's going on if you're going to be interviewing the guy. But I guess Rogan's mm. defense would be that he's a one man industry himself, right? So he don't fucking care. Yeah, and uh, he'll probably say that that is you know not knowing anything about the guest is kind of the the well, way no, I to think be. There's a, there's a benefit to that in principle, but I think you need to know the basics. Well, especially because like, especially because whenever you interview someone. They, you know, when you interview someone, people who are coming to, they're not interested in you. They're not interested in. They no, want you. That's, my you're, point. that's what I'm You're an avatar. You're a va- vessel for, for 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 their questions. And so when you when they think you're getting it wrong, and even when you're not getting it wrong, they'll say that you're getting it wrong. Um, the, mm. the, if you're disrespectful to to the, the yeah, it's it, 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 it it's a it's a fine line. It, it's very difficult to um to hold that. But um, I would say Rogan just you know he just doesn't give a shit. Legalize it. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's he- uh, give us a couple of uh, e- uh, emailed batteries. Good day, looking Pete. I present you V Select. Found this beauty at my local supermarket, which is uh, confusingly uh, spent Vala, but is pr- pronounced Barrow Barrow. Um, V-Select Barrow, a very mid-battery, hardly powers my Wii remotes. It's good that Andrew from Japan is uh, still using a Wii remote. <laughs> yeah, so he sent, he sent a picture of... Uh, yeah, that's weird. He sent yeah. a picture of um, the, the battery in question. Um, and some and imported Yorkshire tea as well. Big box of Yorkshire tea. Yeah, lovely. Um, 
which I personally find too strong, but that's also another story. Mm. Um, V Select are also put, new put players. We've, we've not had them before. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? Stuff. I said put some more milk in. I can't put more milk than I already <laughs> you do. I cannot put more milk in. Oh, yeah, v, yeah. Like, Yorkshire tea bags are fucking strong. <laughs> are they, particularly? You don't really drink much tea, do you? Uh, I drink Earl Grey um, and uh, Lapsang if I'm feeling cheeky. God, you wouldn't get that in Hartlepool, mate. No, no, you wouldn't. Um, yes, lads, says uh, Josh, long-time suffering Derby County fan and primary school teacher based in East London. First time emailing in after listening for the last two years. I found these bad boys in a box for a TENS machine for my 38-week... Uh, it's a 38-week-year-old pregnant girlfriend. 38 weeks pregnant girlfriend. <laughs> Hope you're both well. Thanks for the laughs. You've been great company for us throughout our pregnancy journey. Stick one on in the delivery room. Stick one on in the delivery room, oh, Josh. Come on. Oh, Come on. I think. Nine nine times out of ten, I'll be doing a, a joke about knobs and willies and. We, we had a tens balls. machine when my wife was um, pregnant, and we never actually used it. Never once used Get it. Get it on your abs, like the um, the Cristiano Ronaldo machine. It's the we same gave thing, it away isn't it? To our neighbours. Oh, right. I don't think it's the. Here's the gift the... of an electrical shock. What a gift? <laughs> she was also our neighbour was also pregnant, Peter. Ah. Um, I don't think the ten machine. She, she'll work. not use it. She'll pass it on. It'll yeah. be with the woman with the corn over the road soon. We'll, we'll get it back from our from our brother-in-law <laughs> minus the power pack. Um, <laughs> I don't think the ten machine is going to work on my house, Pete, because they have to penetrate through about three inches of fat. To right. Do it. Okay. Right. Um, what's the battery? Uh, the battery is to wear cell. T wear cell. T e w a y cell. To wear cell. And and Josh has um, sent the photo, but they're just, they're just resting in their plastic steel resting. on what looks like his dressing gown. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Is there a bit of leg there? Let me just uh, make this. No, I think that's the sofa. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Unless he has um, um, fabric legs. So, um, Mark with you, Ryan, was a new player. Andrew with v Select was a new player. Are we going to have a hatchet? We haven't had one for a while. Mm. The answer is, unfortunately not. Josh, you are the third person to send T-Well sales in, T-Way sales in after David and Oliver both did so, uh, dating back a couple of years. So unfortunately, we haven't seen them for a while, but they're not a new player. But thank you very much for playing the game anyway. Lovely stuff. Well, um, that's about it for us in our bumper Thursday edition of uh, the Luke and Pete Show. We'll be back on uh, Monday for more of this. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, hello at LukeandPeteShow.com is the way to do it on the email. we got uh, at Luke and Pete Show on uh, Twitter and Insta uh, and also TikTok and YouTube at the uh, Luke and Pete Show. Join us over there. Join us on Monday. Join your hands, celebrate and enjoy the weekend. Luke and Pete Show is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.